All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Orlando Soccer Show, where it's the biggest game of Orlando City's history. And I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. It's on Wednesday, the U.S. Open Cup final against Sacramento Republic at 8 o'clock at Exploria Stadium. Welcome into a very special episode of the Orlando Soccer Show. My name is Austin David. Gavin Eubank is here with me. And literally all we're going to be talking about today is that game. We're just going to spend 20 minutes or so previewing the game, talking about some storylines, and then that's it. Because, well, I feel like we've covered enough about everything else on the last show. So this is this is just something special and new and something before the game that you can listen to. So first off, Gavin, how excited are you that you're going to be at the game? I'm very excited. Um, I'm not excited about the day that I'm going to have, um, just because I've, I'm flying in the day of on Wednesday, which mm-hmm. means I will be up uh, about quarter to five for my first flight so shortly after six, go to Charlotte, little layover down to Orlando, but you know, hopefully at the end of all of it, it'll be worth it and having almost no sleep will be a thing of the thing that I won't be thinking about. So there you go. Very excited. Yeah. It's it. You don't worry because you know, once the game is over, then, then you can worry about everything. All the consequences come after the fact, not during. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what they say? Yeah, no, that's, it'll be a future problem. Future Gavin's problem. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) biggest game in Orlando city history. U.S. Open Cup Final. They are hosting the U.S. Open Cup Final. I feel like I need to repeat that often just to kind of nail home the point that it is yeah. a massive game because if you win, it's your first, first trophy in MLS. First trophy, CONCACAF Champions League. Can I mention something yeah. funny? It's the first trophy in MLS in a not MLS competition. Yeah, I mean, well, now... I'm going to stop you right there before you continue to disrespect the Orlando City Invitational. I don't want to let you make yourself look like an idiot, Austin, but come on. I thought we weren't counting that. <laughs> well, it depends what day of the week it is. There you go. Who's, who it is. And if, if depending on how the game goes on Wednesday, <laughs> yes. I think we can determine if that Orlando City Invitational counts or not. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's perfect. That's that is perfectly fair. Mm-hmm. There's actually another MLS game going on on Wednesday, which I kind yeah, of find hilarious. <laughs> New right. York, New York, and Cincinnati. The the battle of of who's gonna who's gonna fall faster in the playoffs actually? Because yeah, if NYCFC, 80, the crazy thing is, if NYCFC loses that game to Cincinnati, uh, I believe based on the standings. Uh, Orlando within their next two games could jump NYCFC and then also Cincinnati would jump j- just behind Orlando at 41 points. Yeah, um like you know, like we've talked about a lot the East is a very tight race right now and honestly to feel confident about anybody making the playoffs outside of probably Philly and Montreal and I'd say the Red Bulls would be uh, tough to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we'll we'll compare and contrast all MLS stuff later. This is about the U.S. Open Cup and Sacramento Republic. Yep. So let's talk about them because they are definitely worth talking about. There's a lot of fun storylines 
that come about with this team, considering how similar they are to Orlando City in a lot of various ways. They came into the league in USL Championship when it was still USL Pro. Orlando City was still in USL Pro in 2014. Orlando City was coming off the heels of their 2013 championship. Sacramento wins the next year in 2014 in their inaugural year. And then there's just a lot of different comparisons between these teams based on just, you know, how how everything came about, right? And when you look at Sacramento's seasons and their, their trophies and such, right? 2014, they won in the playoffs. And that's it. That's the last time they won a tournament-style trophy. Their first year, when the USL Pro was still a thing. Then when it went to USL Championship, or just USL in general, shall I say, um, they finished first in their conference back in 2016. And outside of that, there really hasn't been any, like, big runs from this team they've been solid you know they've been first second third fourth fifth and then they've also had seasons where they've been not great so it's been interesting to see how how this team has kind of evolved because heck two years ago they were supposed to join mls and then their ownership well the the money ran away basically during covid so it's <laughs> it's interesting to see this team and their their development and and how comparable they are to Orlando City because I remember like 2014-15 as Orlando City was leaving USL to head to MLS Sacramento was being called the new Orlando or the the next Orlando or something like that where a lot of people yeah. saw Orlando City in Sacramento and now these two teams are facing off in a very different competition very different places in where the team is historically and it's it's for a major trophy yeah i mean this was a team that you know orlando came into usl and they were or as they were coming into mls they were supposed to be the next portland and then like you said sacramento was the next orlando and they come in and they're successful right off the bat they're drawing sellout crowds every single game it's a soccer city it's a city um, in a in a major state that you really wouldn't expect there to be such a passionate um, fan base right off the bat like that, very similar to Orlando. I mean, personally, you know, I've always admired Sacramento from afar. You know, I've always liked their story. I've liked the way that they've been able to come up and, and you know, organically build something that was, at least from the very beginning, looked like it was going to be big. Um, you know, similar to what we saw with FC Cincinnati, and they jumped on the scene, and they were what seventeen, eighteen thousand people a game, mm-hmm. um, and were quickly, you know, quickly head up the line to to Major League Soccer, and and like you said, they were, they they had they did the announcement. This team was supposed to be in Major League Soccer. Don Garber was there. They were awarded the expansion franchise, everything, and then like you said, um, their investor, I don't. I'm blanking on the guy's name. It's the um, the main guy, I think, who owns the Pittsburgh Penguins. Am I right on that? I'm blanking on the name, but I know from what I understand is he, he pulled out. He was never, like, from what has been reported, he was never truly 1,000% interested in actually owning this soccer team in Sacramento. I think for a lot of various reasons, they've, they're building a stadium out there and, like, the costs, the rising costs, like you said, you alluded to with the pandemic obviously contributing to that. 
um, all these factors and it was ripped out from them. And I, I can only imagine what that must feel like. So it definitely puts, I think, a, a big edge into this game if you're Sacramento. And if you're a Sacramento fan, you want to stick it to Major League Soccer. And that, it's not Major League Soccer's fault necessarily that this owner backed out and decided right. that he didn't want to put his money into this project. But I can't help. I wouldn't be able to help but feel to feel like I was, you know, just thrown off a cliff there basically as a <laughs> soccer fan like I was written off like my city everything that I've supported and poured my heart and soul into was it was so close to being at the top level and it was ripped away and now here's their opportunity to tell the entire soccer community in the United States we are Sacramento we are here and this is us you know and it's going to be I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of energy coming out in this one this is their second game in five days but you probably, I guarantee, at least for the first part of the game, you probably won't even notice. Yeah, and a lot of those players that are probably going to start did not against Louisville this past weekend, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense. But yes, it was yeah. uh, Ron Burkle, the lead investor uh, okay. in the yeah, Pittsburgh yeah, yeah. Penguins, that did have that. Uh, he originally in 2019, before the COVID pandemic, uh, they did have a press conference and they had a, the awarded franchise was supposed to play in 2022 this year and then covid delayed it to 2023 and then 2021 ron burkle decided not to acquire an expansion team in sacramento and it has been placed on an indefinite hold so if there is another investor that comes in it could reignite the uh expansion which i believe is is it's just on a hold it's not been ripped away from them so there's still a possibility but something has to happen and again (laughs) winning a a big trophy like that could certainly propel them back into the mls conversation Mm -hmm. yeah you would think that some that this would be an easy way to attract an investor saying who is this club oh these how many fans do they have they have a stadium downtown okay yeah yeah but yeah absolutely i mean It's, I don't know, it's a big moment. That's really all I can say for them. You know, I, I would, you know, I'm excited as as someone that's been following Orlando City, as, you know, as an Orlando City fan. I can only imagine, you know, being a, a t- fan of a club that is at this level. Um, yep. Now, and, it, it, and, and speaking of this club, they have a lot of, like, connections to Orlando City. A lot of players that are kind of, uh, they have different connections in, in various ways. So... First off, we'll start from the top and then work our way down. Uh, Mark Briggs, their head coach. Uh, he's been around. He's seen some things. He played against Orlando City back in the USL days when he was with the Wilmington Hammerheads. He then coached against Orlando City B when he was coaching the Wilmington Hammerheads. And now, after a stop at Real Monarchs, he's been moved up. Like It's crazy because his progression has been completely weird like he started as a Wilmington Hammerheads assistant then coach gets fired he gets moved up to coach right then he moves to Real Monarchs as an assistant coach gets fired he gets moved up then he's Sacramento Republic's academy director coach gets fired he moves up I guess just been that kind of progression for Mark Briggs and this is the best he's ever had it coaching Sacramento Republic to a US, uh, US Open Cup final 
you know, saying the um, Wilmington Hammerheads, it's just like really throwing me back to those USL days and like remembering <laughs> the teams that used to exist as like the USL pyramid there when you've got the Hammerheads, which are now defunct. I guess they're an academy. Yeah, they're, they don't obviously don't do USL. There's Penn FC, which used to be the Harrisburg City Islanders. Yeah. Remember when that whole thing came about? Like they rebranded as Penn FC. It was like, we're going to have this whole pyramid. And then nothing ever like came out of that. No, because the Philly <laughs> Union came in and said, "Right, we're just going to take over this." <laughs> right. The Charlotte Eagles. Yeah, that seven-four game in twenty thirteen for Orlando yeah. City. Yeah, um, they were a laughing stock. Yeah, that was that was something. Uh, all right. So then, in terms of players, speaking of that 2012-2013 season when Mark Briggs was playing for the Wilmington Hammerheads, one of his players. Rodrigo Lopez was playing against him for Orlando City. And Roro has become like a cult hero for Sacramento. He only played a couple of games for Orlando City. He joined the midseason in 2012, played eight games, scored a goal. And most people probably wouldn't remember that he played for Orlando City at a time. But he did. And then after his season with Orlando City, he went to... Uh, the L.A. Blues, which are now Orange County SC, didn't do all that much there. Then got picked up by Sacramento Republic in their inaugural year. And, well, he balled out the first two years. 14-15, he made a name for himself, 23 goals in 54 games, to the point where he got picked up by a Mexican team that was in Liga Emekis at the time, called Celaya, I think. Anyways, he got picked up by them, got loaned to Toluca, and uh, spent the next couple years over in Mexico. Then, in 2020, during COVID, he signed back with Sacramento Republic, played 13 games, scored a goal, then left again to go to Rio Grande, the Toros, and then, after 2021, where he played 31 games and scored five goals, he came back to Sacramento Republic for his third stint and has three goals in 15 games. And it's just been kind of crazy because he's 35 years old. He's tail end of his career, but he is still such an important part of Sacramento Republic's history that, like, combined, he's played almost 100 games for them and has scored some of the biggest goals in their history. So, yeah, Roro Lopez, Orlando City, quote-unquote, legend. (laughs) I'm also remembering the Dayton Dutch Lions as, like, yeah team of the league <laughs> there no they, no no, no. Know that they now play in usl league two. Oh, <clears throat> i was remembering the worst team in usl pro do you remember what that was in 2014 uh no just in general no the antigua barracudas <laughs> okay yeah that's before my time mm, was it i think they played in 2013 Maybe in 2013. Okay, yeah, they did play in 20... St. John's, Antigua, and Barbados. How did that even happen? So... (laughs) That's funny. It's a great question. Uh, Other notable player on this Sacramento Republic team is one Deshaun Brown. Now, Gavin, he didn't play for Orlando City. But guess where he went to college? I'm going to say somewhere in Orlando. U-C-F, Knights. <laughs> there you go. 16 games, 13 goals, and then was drafted by the Colorado Rapids, which I believe 
when he was with Colorado, he scored a hat trick in the U.S. Open Cup against Orlando City. So he's got a little bit of history scoring against Orlando City. Just to, to mention that. But yeah, Deshaun Brown, uh, Jamaican native, played in 2012 for UCF, is now one of the strikers for Sacramento. And then one of the final players is former 2015 MLS Super Draft pick Connor Donovan, who played all of 13 minutes for Orlando City before tearing his ACL in 2015. Then spent the next couple of seasons with OCB before leaving the club at the end of 2017. For those of you like me who were unaware of Barracuda, fun fact, they went 0-26 in 2013. They didn't. They, negative, negative 80 goal differential. They also did not play a home game because they didn't have yes. a stadium to play in. They were a traveling team is what you... Yeah. Is what their stadium is. So, anyways, called. back to Connor Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having a good time over here. Oh, I know. Live in the past. But yeah, Connor Donovan. Uh, a couple months ago now, we talked to Tommy Redding, and he said that Connor Donovan was the most consummate professional that he ever like spent time with or played with. Like he just does everything to to better himself, and he's been he's been like a career USL guy basically since. Uh, leaving Orlando City. And what's crazy is he last played for OCB in 2017. That team folded heading into the 2018 season. He then played for North Carolina FC when they were in USL Championship. They got demoted down to USL League One. Then he joined OKC Energy, who then folded. And now he's with Sacramento. So the track record of him being on teams has been kind of interesting, um, but he did he did get some some time with Houston Dynamo. He signed with their uh, affiliate Rio Grande Valley. Spent a lot of time there. Uh, actually, did sign for for Houston in 2018. I think he did have a, a p- appearance in the U.S. Open Cup. Funny enough, for Houston when they played a, uh, a semi pro team. So he's he's had he's bounced around quite a bit, but he is just he's a solid USL center back, and um, yeah, of course he's he's got Orlando ties. He was one of their first draft picks, twenty second overall, and he was a generation Adidas player too. And he's only twenty six years old. That's that's the crazy thing. Like again, he was drafted in twenty fifteen, and he's twenty six years old. Same. So he's still very very young. I think he joined the Orlando City when he was like 18 or 19. So it's it's, it's crazy to see how all of these uh, players kind of go about. In terms of the rest of the Sacramento roster, they have one of the best players from USL League 1 last year, Damia Villader, who's their left back. He loves getting forward. Uh, I remember calling a number of games for uh, Union Omaha when he was playing over there, and he's he's just a very crafty player kind of be fun to watch him again they also have uh another player that uh he just has a great name it's it's duke lacroix (laughs) his name isn't pronounced that it's duke lacroix but when you see that you're like ha lacroix because the drink so yeah he's just a a fun player another guy that i've i'm going through their like roster and i'm noticing like a lot of these guys 
I have called games for when they've played for other teams. Like Ferretti Souza uh, is one of their defenders. He played for Union Omaha last year. Duke LaCroix, uh, a couple years ago when I was calling games for the Charlotte Independence, I, he, I remember he was playing on that team there. And then uh, Luthia Ashimed, I called his games when he was playing for Guadalupe's U20 team. And he was drafted by uh, the New York Red Bulls. Man, that's crazy. But yeah, so um, they, they have a very interesting kind of makeup of a roster. One of the players that probably went viral for his penalty that he took against Sporting Kansas City, Malik Foster. I don't know if you've seen that highlight, Gavin. I think I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen it. So he took a Panenka uh, in a in a must-score situation, then did a backflip, and then did a um, uh, Steph Curry sleep celebration. All within the oh, same yeah. moment. This was this was in the the last game, right? Yes, the last U.S. Open oh, okay. Cup yeah, game. Yeah, they played. yeah, I remember. He he couldn't figure out what to do, so he just did like all seven. He just yeah, he just know? did everything. Because <laughs> yeah. why not? But yeah, so I I think it's going to be a, a very fun game. Honestly, their their goalkeeper Danny Vitiello, he's another guy that has is bounced around quite a bit. Uh, he's been with I think he he was with Nashville at a time when they were in USL. He was with Pittsburgh. And he's been with Sacramento as well. Just, just a lot of guys that have kind of been around and, and seen a lot of the minor leagues, uh, not necessarily guys that have MLS experience. And again, to get to this point, they had to go through a number of MLS teams. Now, granted, mm-hmm. those situations are a little different because when you look at the teams that they played and the situations that they played in, it's a little bit interesting because, yeah, they had to win a number more games they had to, to beat the portland timber u23 team in their second round then they beat central valley fuego the new usl league one team in the third round then they beat phoenix rising who are not as good as they used to be in the fourth round then they put up against san jose earthquakes who are the second worst team in the western conference in the fifth round quarterfinals they played the la galaxy in carson but of course the galaxy didn't play their starting lineups so there, there really isn't like much into that that I can read into and then sporting Kansas city. Like they're, they're also one of the worst teams in the West. Mm-hmm. So there's only so much I can kind of read into that in terms of this is how good the Sacramento team is because like they've, they haven't played like the tip top MLS competition. I mean, it is worth noting too. So they're playing this game on just a few days rest. They played over the weekend in Louisville um, this is not the f- they they've had to do this in each of the last three games that mm-hmm. they've played in the weekend, done it again a couple of days later midweek. So this is not an unusual situation for them. This is you know a challenge that they face several times, and obviously they've conquered it enough. I have no doubt that this team will be prepared. Um, at the end of the day, however, you know you have an Orlando City team that is rolling right now. They've won four in a row. They're coming off a couple of big last minute wins. They've got a lot of momentum on their side at the moment, and in front of what will pro- I, this will probably be the first time that Exploria has been sold out since the 2017 U.S. game. No, because the last USA game that was played for the qualifiers okay, okay, for this okay. time round was sold out. Was it as loud as that game though? Yeah, it was pretty loud. Because again, they they scored like five goals. Right, 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 right. Okay, so this will be so. Either way, 
this is going to be probably the first packed Orlando City game. God, again, in a long time, it feels like. But yeah, I want to say probably uh, 2018 season. I, yeah, I mean, since maybe that... Uh, no, no, 2019. Think- March 2nd, 2019, 25-5-27 against NYCFC. Okay. That was the 2-2 draw that they had at home where Tesho had the, the game-tying goal in the 75th minute. It was when... Um, that was there it was, was Nani. It was Nani's first. It was Nani's. Yeah, it was Nani's first game. Maybe, maybe that's why. Yeah, no, because it was Nani's first game, and he had a hockey assist to Tesho because he passed it to Dom, and then Dom put it in for Tesho. I remember that. That was the last time they sold out the stadium, and it was an official sellout. Well, they the, I in, mean, in I... 2018 they sold out twice officially. Yeah. And then 2017, they sold out 10 times. I think either way, right up there with those U.S. games, this is probably going to be the loudest that Explorer has ever been. It's definitely going to be the loudest it's ever been for an Orlando City game, and it's going to be really exciting to see what that does to the players down on the field because they obviously know. Oh, they know yeah. that this is a big moment by like by far. They For a lot of them, too, it's probably the biggest moment of their careers. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. The pressure is going to be on Orlando. Oh, by far. And that's the another thing is we haven't really talked about. We mentioned it when Orlando won and got to this game. All of U.S. soccer outside of Orlando is rooting for Sacramento. Sacramento is on the cusp of making history and being the first team to win this tournament in 24 years. Everybody wants to see that happen this is if i wasn't if orlando wasn't in it i would be rooting for sacramento whoever they were playing against whichever Mm. mls side yep so i know how what is what everyone else feels like and it literally could not be any other way than orlando against everybody it's just how it is it's just that just that sounds about right yep those are the rules. Now, the they are the first non-MLS team to play in the final since the Charleston Battery in 2008. And they're only the fourth team since MLS was founded back in 1996 that have made the U.S. Open Cup final. And just to reiterate, uh, the Charleston Battery in 2008 beat the Seattle Sounders, FC Dallas, and the Houston Dynamo in order to get to that. And then lost to New England? DC. DC DC United. Yep. That was a 2-1 finish. Fred scored the game winner for DC United. With Mark Geiger as the head referee. Jesus Christ. Wowee. Oh, and guess who scored the lone goal for the Charleston Battery in that U.S. Open Cup? So the the last goal scored by a minor league player in the U.S. Open Cup was scored by former Orlando City midfielder Ian Fuller. Hmm. That's a really weird trivia question for you. If Sacramento doesn't score, Ian Fuller still remains the last minor league player to score in the U.S. Open Cup final, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Do we know who's uh... who the who the referee for this game is? Yeah. That I don't know, actually. That's a, a very good question. Probably is not going to be posted until 
like the the date. Yeah, that's that's very goes. possible. Can't can't let everyone know who to hate first off. Right, especially in a <laughs> game like this, they they give Orlando fans too much time. Fire alarms at hotels will be pulled. That's so, the problem. out of the referees that could be pulled for this game, who is the the worst? If you are an Orlando fan, who is the worst referee that you could possibly have? Chris Penso with Alan Chapman as the assistant. <laughs> yes. Those are probably the two names that no one wants to see. Actually, uh, Chris Penso should, he's, uh, you know what? He var yeah. this past weekend. Chris Chris Penso could be uh, the VAR uh, uh, referee, and then you could have Alan Chapman as the head referee. There you go. Alan Chapman work. Oh, Ted Uncle also only VAR'd this weekend. Okay, so Ted Uncle could be the VAR. <laughs> you could then have Alan Chapman as the head referee. Alan Chapman and did Chris Penso as the fourth official. Chapman did head referee on Sunday, Sunday night. All right, Gavin. Anyway. To get back on track here, is there anything else you'd like to say before we uh, finish this up here? What are your expectations? Do you want to predict? Yeah, let's get some predictions out of the way. Um, this is dangerous there's here. Two, there's, yeah, there's two ways this can go. It's going to be a blowout. Hmm. Or scoreless extra time penalty kicks. Mm-hmm. Not, not going to lie. I can't physically handle going to penalty <laughs> kicks, but you and I both know that that would be the greater moment of the two. If they won. If they won on penalty kicks, yeah. In front of the wall. Yeah. The place would literally explode. Yes. Like, it would explode. People would die. People would rush the field and get arrested. <laughs> yes. Like, it's yes. Just, just, yeah. Z- non-zero percent chance that we would be among them. I, you, you, they can't I, arrest us all. I, they can't arrest us all. You know, I... Hmm. They could... They could. They have video, Gavin. Well, I mean, joke's on them. I'm not coming back. <laughs> You'll just be trespassed <laughs> forever for the rest of the season. Your go. time could come to the stadium. There we go. I'm going to be a blackballed Orlando City fan that only shows up to road games with like signs <laughs> like, I hate you. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Got to be responsible here. We'll see what happens. All right. Obviously, we're going to be responsible. Yes. Obviously. Obviously. All right, Gavin. That's it. I'll see you on Wednesday. See everybody else on Wednesday. Biggest game in Orlando City history. Yeah. 8 o'clock p.m. against Sacramento Republic. And we'll, I guess we'll reconvene next week and talk about what happened because it's either going to be a really fun, happy show or a really sad, depressing show where we talk about there's, how the Orlando City Invitational Tournament is the only thing that matters. There's either going to be a good, happy show or we're just going to pretend like that never happened and there will be no show and our <laughs> focus will shift right back to Major League Soccer. Yes, there you go. All mm-hmm. right. Well, for Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. Thanks for tuning in for a special edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll catch you next time.